The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. Today, we're talking to Ed Hill, Nicole Hams, and Chuck Smith from the Black Food Sovereignty Coalition, another organization in the Willamette Week's Gift Guide. To donate, go to giftguide.org. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined with uh, two staff members, one board member of Black Food Sovereignty Coalition. Uh, and we're going to be talking today about a couple of their programs, uh, Black Futures Farms and uh, Second Garden that's out on Wapato Sovi Island. Thanks for each of you joining from your separate locations. Yeah, the COVID, the, uh, the COVID keeps us apart, but we're here on Zoom together. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, let's start with uh, Black Futures Farm. So it's a community farm, staffed by volunteers, two resident farmers. There's a lot going on. It's, it's, it's a one acre, just a little bit over an acre farm. Is that correct? Um, actually, 2.25 total. Okay. Um, at the at the Learning Garden Laboratory, uh, it's a 17 acre site that and two almost two and a, two and a half acres of land is being managed by Black Futures Farm currently. Okay, and where where in where in town is this? This is out uh, southeast Duke and 30th, so uh, not quite outer southeast. Y- yeah, that's um right at that border, uh, Woodstock. It's uh, 60th and Duke, uh, right at the, um, uh, what's the name of the park there, Chuck? It's a Brentwood Park. The Brentwood Park, yes. And how, how, did, how, did, um, how did your organization uh, get a, a lease or an, an opportunity to, to uh, plant and work and be there? So the um, a lot of the initial work came out of uh, conversations from existing programs and community groups that were working um, in collaboration with the Parks Department of Portland and the Portland uh, Public Schools PPS. So um, the the site itself has been was the home of a program called the Green Thumb Program. Um, Back in the 70s, African-American woman started it and uh, kind of spread community gardening, gardening around the city. And that site was built out by PPS as an agriculture training site uh, back in, you know, back in another time, uh, I guess during Ford and, and Carter uh, era, uh, where they were trying to establish urban agriculture and gardening as a practice in urban space. So that fell off programs have continued on the site over the years and uh, Charles um, and Malcolm, uh, Charles's uh, Hannah is one of our board members now and Malcolm uh, Shabazz Hoover is one of the program or the directors uh, of the site along with Maribai Collins um, and 
they had a community program that had some community gardening. Charles wanted to elevate this project and grow it and sought a partnership out with a land-based or uh, agriculture-based black organization, which we were forming at the time. And Malcolm worked there with Charles and they negotiated the conversation with Parks Department. Charles wanted to expand into a larger site. Oregon State University had been using this 2.5 acres for their uh, master gardener training program. And combined with uh, COVID and some of the sort of the, the natural dialing down of programs um, during February and March, we, we landed on a, on a long-term lease agreement to, to, to manage the site. How, how long-term? Uh, three, three years is um, and with a recurring every year after that. Um, and that's one of the, you know, that's, that's not the longest that we would have liked, but you know, it's a good start with a you know pilot community-based program, non-institutional program working on site. So we thought it was a good, you know, it was, it was a good first run. Uh, Laura Nemi over at Parks Department. Um, I, I worked with her previously in Seattle with Seattle Tilt. So there was some relationship building that had happened previously, you know, which are all good things to help advance, you know, good nonprofit work. So, so Black Future Farm is, you're growing a lot. I mean, peas, beans, lettuce, tomatoes, potatoes, uh, potatoes, onions, corn, radishes, fruit trees. It's a crowded uh -huh. garden. Um, on two and a half acres, not so much. Uh, and luckily, the place has been managed. Uh, you know, like I said, the master gardeners were there previously for, I don't know, 20 years. And that was a, a group of 15 to 20, um, uh, 50 years or older uh, mostly, you know, uh, uh, majority population white, you know, older re retired white folks who were out there managing that 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 farm initially. So OSU and PSU install have installed. Um, it's 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 a more biodynamic or permacultural ap uh, approach to organic uh, gardening and farming, in that there are a multitude and layers of of edible uh, plants there um, and herb, you know, uh, herbaceous buffers and and there's a lot of soil work there that makes a small uh, compact, you know, it, it presents the best practices for how to take a small space and, 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 and grow and cultivate in an organic way uh, the things that people need in community for food. Yeah, and so, so a garden can have a lot of different purposes. And, and you've talked about a, a, a teaching garden. Uh, you, uh, there's a CSA. Uh, What's what's the what's the purpose of this garden? If there's a primary purpose to it, and and what are some of the other functions? Um, I think the primary purpose, uh, as with the with the the organization, is to demonstrate that uh, a community farm that has uh, uh, farmers on it within urban space can properly and sustainably manage lands organically and, pr and promote the uh, consumption and, 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 and uh, sale and marketing of healthy food products and, and value added products that come from food. With, this, with our case and with Black Futures Farm and with Black Food Sovereignty Coalition, we, we focus our work on black people and uh, black identified people from the Af African diaspora, people from Africa, 
um, that's that's the focus of our work, just like Naya is focused on indigenous and, and tribal nation people, just like Hacienda is focused on indigenous Latinx and, and, and Central American, South American folks. Um, we are, are, are demonstrating what this looks like uh, where there hasn't been a demonstration at this scale of what it looks like for black and African people to do this work. Let, let, let me take that a, a little bit more specifically then. I, and I want to ask um, Nicole, Nicole Hams and Chuck Smith, how, how did each of you uh, get an interest in gardening? And then how did you come into this organization? Uh, would you like to go first, Chuck? Sure. Well, thank you for, we're doing that. So uh, prior to this work here, I was working in a culturally specific organization as part of my work, my background is in social work. I was looking at how to help young families uh, develop a holistic and uh, comprehensive way of thinking about their health. So uh, we worked with doulas to help young pregnant women and families uh, in the early stages of life, but also looking at how nutrition builds into that. So we started a program at the time called uh, Cultivating Culture and helping people connect to their cultural roots of farming uh, and growing food, eating healthy food, uh, setting the, the tone for their, their children at the same time. And we actually met and helped, uh, worked with uh, Mudbone Grown Farms and Art and Shante uh, Johnson back in the uh, middle 2015s or so. And uh, from there, just kind of worked my way into working with them and uh, the Black Food Sovereignty. It was the council at the time, and uh, we transitioned into coalition at that point and just kind of built from that spot. So my background is more around program development and uh, community uh, connections. Uh, we have a Grandma's Hands project where we connect uh, grandmothers showing how to cook traditional foods and then uh, setting the tone and working with their children and grandchildren on passing those traditions down to others. And and as as part of that program, taking uh, vegetables or foods grown at the garden as well. You bet. So we work with uh, black farmers to source as many things as we can in producing the recipes, as well as providing people samples of uh, different kinds of foods they can be eating and how to cook them. Great. And and Nicole, you're you're the newest board member. What um, and and you you are coming at well I'll let you answer this but you you are a PhD uh, you have your PhD from from Oregon State uh, you're 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 deep into this you're deep into the knowledge of this uh, yes and no actually uh, my PhD is in biophysics um, and as a day job you know I'm a research scientist for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service I research uh, I'm a fish biologist. Um, I got into this because while in graduate school, um, a friend and I started a company uh, called Melanin Minerals, um, and we make CBD skincare products. And through this company, we were able to go to the Back to the Root Conference uh, that was first hosted at OSU and later hosted in Portland last year. Uh, but through this conference, I actually met Eddie. Um, and in talking to him, um, I was really interested in the fact that this conference was together for black growers. Um, and, you know, as a minority, uh, even though my background is not in it, as a minority in uh, natural resources, conservation, in conservation agriculture, you don't really see black faces. Um, so my interest was in program development. 
And I felt that my background in like reviewing grants for the USDA would be really helpful in trying to bring in money and grants um, to, uh, to help with this organization. Um, when I first started with uh, Black Food Sovereignty Coalition, I was actually at Black Futures Farms working with Malcolm. Um, and you know, I recognize the need uh, for not only more farmers of color, but the ability to grow your food and get it to market if you desire. Um, and so when I kind of met Malcolm at the same time, I was in the process of purchasing a house and we ended up buying a house on just under four acres. So that's decent space. Um, and so like, you know, ideally I would like to be able to lease some of my land out to the Black Food Sovereign Coalition, or at least put a, put some type of garden, large garden on my land to be able to grow food. And then again, provide it to areas in Portland that are essentially food deserts. We don't have the option uh, for decent, fresh produce that's, you know, organically grown if you choose to do so. Nicole, you mentioned a couple of things I want to pick up on. One, you, you mentioned that you, you originally came to the organization at, at the Back to the Roots conference. Can you tell me more about what, what that is and, and, and who, who is it that's at the Back, back to the Roots conference? Uh, you're talking to us. Uh, <laughs> it's the Black Food Sovereignty <laughs> Coalition. Like that's, from my understanding, that's kind of their conference they put together for black growers in the Pacific Northwest to come together um, and share our ideas. Um, and I believe, you know, we also had folks come from the East Coast, especially this last year, we had some great yeah. keynote speakers. And I see Eddie pop in, I'll let him explain more to you about that. Yeah, uh, thanks, Nicole. Um, the, um, the, this year's, this is our second year of Back to the Root. Um, or this was our second year and we're going into our third year now for 2021 but that was um, again ha I have a food systems background I've been farming in, in the northwest since 95 and um, not the best farmer but I'm a really good community developer and organizer I'm an urban planner is my trade uh, urban planning and design um, and have always kept um, kept the need to or the the, the, the the goal was to capture our capture our information and capture data. And I've watched a lot of uh, wonderful examples back east of black farmer conferences, you know, down south. Um, there's some strong organizations and nonprofits in the in the Midwest, the Northeast Soul Fire, and then the Safon and the and the Southern Black Farmers Association or and organic farmers. So I just, you know, I brought that here and pushed it with and found folks who were interested in that and osu chimed in in our first year of back to the root was to gather folks and just get people together of color focusing on black and indigenous people to come together and find out who is who's even here doing the work so it was really about doing a survey working with dean jackson up in tacoma with uh, uh hugs Gar uh, hugs gardens uh, and um working with folks up in Seattle who've been doing this work after I left in Seattle, uh, black farmers, African farmers, uh, indigenous farmers and, and fisher, uh, fisher folk. So this, this building of a community has, has been a 25 year uh, uh, effort that started to culminate finally and grow through the use of the conference as a tool to convene. Let's take, uh, we're going to take a quick music break here. Does one of you want to uh, throw out a song that you've been listening to lately or even a song that 
if possible, captures the spirit of the organization? Grandma's hands. Grandma's hands clapped in church on Sunday morning. Grandma's hands played the tambourine so well. Grandma's hands used to issue out a warning. She said, Gregory, don't you run so fast. So fast. Might fall on a piece of glass. Oh, yeah. Might be a snake stay in that grass. Grandma's hands. And wet mother, grandma says, used to act sometimes and swell. Grandma's hands used to lift her face and tell her, she said, Oh, baby, grandma understands that you really love that thing. Put yourself in Jesus' hands, grandma's hands, yeah. Hand me piece of candy. Oh, grandma's hands picked me up each time I fell. Grandma's hands, well, they really came in handy. She said, Almighty, don't you whip that boy. What you wanna spank him for? Didn't drop no apple core, but I ain't got grandma anymore. When I get to heaven, I'll. This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am talking with Ed Hill, Nicole Hams, and Chuck Smith, uh, two staff members, one board member for Black Food Sovereignty Coalition. One of their programs is Black Futures Farm, which is out uh, in Southeast, Duke and 60th. 
uh, and then also a who host have hosted twice and and I assume are looking forward to if possible a third uh, back to the roots gathering um, I want to just wrap up our conversation uh, the programming that your organization does uh, is is both so unique and so uh, elemental um, but in the last few months um, obviously some challenges first COVID uh, it's it's difficult to do anything physical uh, with people when with, with COVID. Uh, and the second is uh, a, a greater attention uh, and hopefully concern about equality and equity. Um, let's talk about the latter and how how is the staff and the board uh, um, hoping that this greater attention to equity plays into the programming? Uh, or, or what are there discussions? What, what discussions are happening with the organization? Well, I'll jump in uh, and let, let Nicole get warmed up on this one. So equity is, is kind of built into the history and tradition of the black experience in America. So uh, everything we're doing has some impact on equity. So we don't necessarily talk about it in that way uh, all the time, although even within our community, uh, there are uh, subgroups of people who uh, have not been treated equally. So Eddie made references before uh, the role of women, the role of uh, non-gender conforming uh, people and how we show the unity and, and acceptance of one another within uh, this group. So there's always a chance that when you form a group, you're gonna exclude somebody who otherwise uh, not only deserves to be there, but has, has a place to be there. So when we created the uh, Black Futures Farm space, uh, when you ask the question about what's, what's the main theme, it's growing and being together. So uh, we're just as interested in building a space for people to show up and be in community as we are in the things that grow out of the ground once we're there. So uh, from that standpoint, uh, we're always looking at how to uh, help the larger system be more responsive from an equity standpoint but uh, we're most uh, concerned with how we are with, it, with ourselves and making sure that we model and demonstrate uh, how to be with one another, uh, not waiting for the large society to do that because we may be waiting a long time. We're already waiting over 400 years for freedom, so um, we don't want to wait for another 200 for them to figure it out. We'll do it ourselves. Nicole, do you, do you want to add that or, or if, please add to that and then I have, I have a, a question about you because you've talked about funding a little bit. Okay, so going on, um, going off of kind of what um, Charles has already said, um, in our space, you know, we look to have people who look like us. Um, and out of that, we get a, a wide variety of uh, people, of essentially black people. Um, right now, what we see in, at least from my perspective, the Black Future Farms are um, people of color who either have agricultural experience or um, are interested in natural resources. Um, what I like particularly about the Black Futures Farm is it's in an area of Portland where for the most part, you don't see agriculture, especially not for people of color. Um, and so what I hope to see from that farm is not only pulling in people who obviously know the advantages of being able to grow, grow your own food, know how to grow your own food, um, and being in charge of a space 
where you can grow your own food, not just like coming there and, you know, being told what to do by, by essentially white people, but black, it's a black owned thing, um, is attracting other people of color who otherwise would not venture out um, into a rural area to, to learn these things. Um, so I really like the, the, the potential for um, Black Future Farms and other farms um, that the Black Food uh, Sovereignty Coalition are leasing to bring other inner city people out and show them, hey, how, here's how you can use your space. You may not be able to be in control of much, but like what, what little space you have, here's how you can optimize it to bring yourself a little bit more independent. Um, and then you, you said you had a question regarding grant writing or? Well, well, yeah, I, I want to talk about it. And, and, you know, whenever you talk about money, it can be a crass conversation. So I apologize if this comes off crass, but I'm wondering if any of the discussions about equity um, is, is benefiting Black Food Sovereignty Coalition in terms of, of money. There's, I hear so much talk about, oh, Bank of America is pledging millions of dollars to promote equity. Um, Black, uh, Black Farms, uh, sorry, Black Futures Farm is one of these programs that sounds so deserving of that because that's the work that you're doing is towards equity. Is that translating? Is that translating into actual grants or financial support yet? Um, for what I can tell, in some way, yes. And I'll let Charles uh, probably expand upon that simply because I've not been on the board long enough to see this. Well, I will say is from my experience with dealing with reviewing grants to the USDA, um, generally you review grants by a panel and the people on that panel have to be interested in equity. Not only that, you can sit on a panel, you're reviewing the same type of grant, each year the panel changes. And each year that panel, they, what they consider to be important changes. So I've been on grant panels where you have grants that are specifically supposed to be written for women and minorities, but yet grants will be approved that they have no clear way of recruiting minorities. It's not sustainable, but if enough people vote upvote it, then it gets passed through. So what's really important here is making sure when we ask for money, we know who we're asking it from and how grants are reviewed. Because again, a lot of, a lot of places can say, oh, we have money for you, have money for that. Um, but in the end, it, it gets shot down and you end up, you know, wasting your time, feeling like you've been slighted a little bit. Um, when in reality, the person that's rec that is soliciting these requests for proposals, they, for lack of better wording, they're, they're um, underinformed. <laughs> And, and so, and, and it's been wonderful talking with, with you three and, and our, our time is unfortunately up here, but I do want to encourage our listeners to check out this year's Give Guide. Uh, Black Food Sovereignty Coalition is part of the Give, Will Amit Week's Give Guide this year, correct? That's correct. And I do want to say a thank you to uh, people who have donated. We've had some small and large donors and we appreciate all, all of them equally, uh, both who give through the Give Guide and those who just go right to our website and make a contribution. So I've had one, some small farmers who only have made maybe a few dollars profit and they send that check and say they want to support. So the good hearts of allies are definitely appreciated uh, as well as uh, how we as black people invest in ourselves. And uh, at some point, maybe the philanthropy uh, establishment uh, changed itself. There is work going on. So I do 
want to recognize that uh, equity is becoming more important to uh, those who are giving funds. Uh, but in the long run, um, if others from outside the community don't step up, that's okay. We'll, we'll step up for ourselves. That's what uh, Black Food Sovereignty is all about. Thank you all. Thank you for taking the time, and thanks for the, uh, the wonderful work that you all are doing. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in. 